You're listening to the Real Estate Radio Hour, the show that brings you unfiltered stories and insight from the Twin Cities real estate world with your hosts, Chris Rooney, broker at REMAX Preferred, and Andy Presky, leader of the Preferred Home Team at REMAX Advantage Plus. Hey, hey, hey. Hola. I like the Christmas tree in the back. Are you already decorated? I know. Lit her up. Yeah, when Morgan was back from school, she did that. So, amazing. And it's a little Christmas season. So, what the heck? Yeah, we're uh, doing a Saint Nicholas theme. It's December sixth, Saint Nicholas, but this week you kind of celebrate him. He's the patron saint of children. Inspires traditions around the world from hunts for presents to stockings or shoes filled with sweets. And of course, my name is Nick. I'm named after the saint. So you were actually named Nicholas because your mother wouldn't let me name you Butch. Just so you know that. Yeah, I've heard that story. <laughs> she she wasn't too happy with that one. So, anyways, I thought Nick would be a good guy you could hang out with at the bar, have a drink with. So, and St. Nicholas, obviously. CC. There's the madman. He's back. What up? There he is. Look at my props, Andy. Those are real. That's no background. Yep, I know. <laughs> I didn't know we had a budget for that stuff, Rooney. <laughs> yep. We added it in. You didn't know. I didn't get it approved by you yet. We so. got an we got a uh, an allowance secured and you spent it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Andy, it's a uh, St. Nick's theme. You know, uh, patron saint of children, where we're giving back to people, giving presents uh, to start the December up. Nice. Well, that's wonderful, Nicholas. Yeah, and it's my name, too. So, <laughs> yeah. I right, let's get What's that? Happening in the market, I'll tell you what, uh, it's. <laughs> it's moving, which is just yeah. crazy. I didn't think, uh, I thought it would maybe calm down for us a little, but uh, that is not the case. It's starting to uh, pick up again. Um, and I think it's a lot of people that just kind of missed out and maybe it's slowing down for them and they're ready to be able to hop on something. Um, I'm talking to a lot of different people trying to find if there's uh, other things that might be coming on the market. Ability to be able to kind of show um, clients of mine that have considered selling, uh, but it's uh, it's a uh, it's interesting out there. So it's good. We uh, we were normally this time of year we we hunker down and do all of our planning and budgeting for next year and and uh, we we haven't had a chance. Um, I think this week I did four market analysis. You know, so far I mean, all of a sudden I'm slammed with people. Trying to get, you know, it's kind of that end of the year. Let's get the house sold. Next year's a new year. Let's look someplace. Um, I think that they're the smart buyers that are out there are recognizing that new construction right now is in the sweet spot too, where the houses are priced where they are, even though they're building them out a year. Um, I'm just telling you, inflation, inflation, inflation. It's all trickling through. Everybody's warning us. And unless something, I mean, crazy happens where everybody decides to hold tight. I think you're going to see new construction going up another 10, 12% next year um, over top of where it is this year. And the lots that are all being developed, nobody's giving them away. They're all going at full retail. So it's going to become a very exclusive um, new construction market. So I think the builders, you know, that are in cool areas with townhouses will do fine because you get that, you know, somebody might pay 400,000 for a townhouse in Maple Grove, but they won't pay 400,000 in Otsego, for an example, you know, right. Right. that'll be busy. And then I think your executive level homes in that five, six, eight million dollar price range will be very busy. Yeah, I, I'll tell you, I've I've had uh, three uh, since November. Three people call me just say, Chris, I, I got to park my money somewhere, and it's going to be in real estate. So we just gotta we gotta find something that uh, you think that you know. I mean, it's not going to depreciate. It's going to be decent. You're looking at a guy right here. I just bought a lake lot. I, I I have no reason to buy a lake lot. I bought a lake lot because it was one of the sweetest lots I've ever seen, and it's a oh, great really? place to park your money, right? Yeah. Where'd you Where'd you buy? On you Ida, know? Lake Ida in Alexandria. Never heard of it. It It's a small town. It's it's. Uh, <laughs> I've heard I of it. In the post office here pretty quick. 
That's right by, um, I actually saw that. I was doing one of my little uh, road business trips where I just go and take off and go sit in a hotel. Yeah. And I, um, there's, a, there's a resort right by there on a lake. Um, what's it called? In Alexandria. But it was right by Lake Ida. I drove by, I said, no way. This is the famous Andy Lake. Yeah, there's uh, the resorts are thinning out up there for sure. And you're seeing a lot more of the executive VRBO. And uh, I mean, you still have Arrowwood and some of those bigger resorts on the chain, but um, it, it's it, the, the yeah, that was it. Arrowwood. That's the one I was at. The what? Arrowwood. That's the one. Arrowwood. I was at. Yeah. 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 They've been around forever. Indoor water park. I'm sure that's where you're hanging out. Hey, circling back to being busy and the four market analysis and stuff. And just last week, I think this is what's really interesting. Last week, you were saying that it had slowed down and people were kind of curbing back. And then that's the same thing I felt like all of a sudden. And it was kind of maybe just a week prior. South of the river is just a little ahead of you guys up north. But um, that it all starts like moving forward now. And we're doing it only rolls downhill, Chris, not up. Oh, <laughs> it's warmer down here. Remember that. Well, I suppose I got that river along the North Dakota border where it runs north. So maybe, maybe it does roll this way. You never know. Never know. Well, I tell you, the uh, I agree with you. And last week I was kind of excited. I was buckling down. I was meeting with all my agents on the team. We were talking about new strategies, you know. And one of my favorite things to do this time of the year is to look and say, okay, now this week next year, and I'm going to write this down for you. What are you going to look back and say, I'm grateful that I did this? To, to enhance your business, right? Or to help a customer with a better experience. Because I think that truly the agents that are going to survive in this industry are going to be the ones that are focused completely on the customer experience. So, you know, from A to B, you know, start to finish, demonstrating value, having that customer feel comfortable. You're there. It's like you're taking them on a guided fishing trip. You know where to go catch the fish. You know what lures to bring. You know what gear to bring. And you make it like, boy, this was easy catching muskies. Go try to catch a muskie on your own. Right. And then you hire somebody, pay them 600 bucks for the day and, and plus tip. And all of a sudden you're out there catching muskies for the first time in your life. And I think that that's going to become the real estate, at least the successful ones, will become the the uh, the guides of the industry. We, we missed that opportunity. Right? Yeah. There it was. Oh, hey, I, was I can't it. control when it comes out. It just does. <laughs> Yeah, Nick will just have to. Nick's got to get quicker on that. He's just got to nail that thing right before, right when you're getting started. Hopefully, you don't forget about the muskies. I didn't want to cut him off. He was rolling. He was. He well, was. Or, or bring up the uh, how Zillow just canceled 400 purchases on their guaranteed buy program. That would get me rolling too. Say Nick, say Nick, patron uh, saint of children. So, what things in a home appeal to kids? Well, I'll tell you, not just inside the home, but outside the home as well. So, uh, land to be able to play on. I think you got to remember, you know. So I think some people say, you know, it doesn't matter what the kids say, but it matters big time nowadays and what the kids have to say about buying a house because you're taking them away from their friends. Sometimes you're taking them away from their school. And you have to be able to kind of get them excited. So uh, I've seen a lot of times on acreage where they'll say, well, geez, we're going to be able to get snowmobiles and four wheelers and, and build tree forts and all of that kind of fun stuff or a batting cage that's going to go into uh, a pole barn. It was really interesting. I was talking to an agent um, trying to find, you know, like this one house sold for like $120,000 more than uh, what it was listed for. And I just kind of wanted to know why. And, and they had a couple offers, but the, the, the reason was, is the guy said he wasn't going to miss it because there's a built-in batting cage in their pole barn and their kids played baseball and the kids was just flipped over it. And he's like, I'm not going to lose it. And he bid quite a bit over to not, to not lose it. Now you can certainly put that in somewhere. And that's telling you about the whole people can't envision either. Oh, we can always buy this other pole barn and put that same thing in it. But if you don't, if you can't see it and feel it, it's a different thing. I remember when we bought Acreage and we moved off the lake to go to Acreage and it was really for the kids. Me and Nick, um, we were on the lake and we had a small lot and trying to play catch. 
we had to go play out on the street. All of a sudden, we moved to seven and a half acres, had a pool, had a pole barn. I was able to make a baseball field in the back, and it was all about that. So I think yard yards are a big thing. Um, ga- gaming rooms, I would think, uh, would be another thing that would be big. How about you, Andy? Uh, no, I, I was uh, agreeing right along with you. You're right on the money. I think the um, w- with with lifestyle, that's why people buy certain houses, and I think that's the – the smart marketing side of Chris's brain coming through is like, you know, you got a baseball person, you see, you know, a batting cage and of course they're going to want that. Right. I mean, it's like that you're putting two completely perfect things together. And it, it, that's actually how good agents make sales happen when nobody else can. Have you ever seen a house that's been listed for a year and then it gets relisted three times and it's the fourth agent that finally gets it sold because they put the pieces together. Sometimes, you know, it's, if it's a very custom, like, I may walk in there and go, why the hell would I need a batting cage? I'd rather, you know, have a dirt bike track or something. The next guy comes in and wants it uh, for basketball. So, you know, knowing how to, to, to appease your audience and sell that lifestyle uh, is a big part of real estate, number one. Number two, appeasing the lifestyle, kids are a lifestyle. You know, no matter if we want to admit it or not, parents, now you go from being the young, cute couple, everybody thinks you're beautiful, to all of a sudden you got three kids, you're running into the supermarket and kids are throwing up in the parking lot. And I mean, you, you, you have to have, um, with kids, I start thinking about new construction. Like I call there, it's kind of funny. I have a, a, uh, in one of our kitchens, I call it the mommy recovery center where we actually have an undercounter wine fridge. We put a cool little coffee bar on the counter. We put some bottles of wine up on the top in the rack. We actually have like all of her scrapbooking stuff on the one side or whatever, you know, the, the interest is at the time. And the moms will say, thank you for thinking of me. The other thing that I think a lot of real estate agents, Chris, and I, I know you know that I would do this, spending the time to talk to the kids. I mean, honest to goodness, just taking two seconds to listen to a little kid and ask him a question saying, so what do you want to get out of your new house? And actually listening to him. And all of a sudden you're like, why does that, why do those kids like that, that old real estate agent? Because I talk to them. I, I come down, I'll squat down, I talk to them, I listen to them. And they're like, Andy's the best. All I did is ask them, what, what do you want to see in your new house, right? Or how big does your bedroom have to be? And then I'll be funny about it and say, well, you know, Billy said he wanted a 12 by 13. So this isn't going to do. We're going to have to give Billy the master. And all of a sudden every laughs, but Billy's like, see, Andy's my guy. So it's, it, you know, I, I've had fun for years. I, I love the mind of a child. I, I, the things they say, the things they do. <laughs> I've witnessed it many times and he's very good at it. That is true. I, I would think your problem might be you have to talk to the parents every once in a while too, Andy. Well, you know, but it, think about this, Chris. What, what strategy is being employed, you know, as we as we talk to children? You're letting parents relax. I also become like the, the I don't want to say the daycare center, but I'm, hanging out with the kids and saying, Oh, you guys go check out the master. I'll watch these guys. And all of a sudden they get to go in there as mom and dad and see that house for the way they want to see it. Right. And look at, okay, this would work perfect for us, you know, or, Hey, I, the big thing right now, it's kind of interesting. Um, the, the dilemma I've been having with houses is how does the walk-in closet in the master, does it connect to the bathroom or does it connect to the bedroom? And it's amazing how people are on both sides of that argument. Not many people are in between the two or into they want one or the other. Like I want to be able to go right from my bathroom into my closet, get dressed and leave. Or I don't want to be in my bathroom when I'm getting dressed, you know, and it's, it's, I don't know. I don't know if you ever deal with that or not, but. Absolutely. That's a huge, that's a huge thing. And it's one of those that, I mean, I, I prefer, I mean, so if I'm in the bathroom, it's, it's totally fine, but I'm the only one in the bathroom. That means I'm the only one in the closet. And, you know, so then that you, the other person can't get in there. And right. so having it separate. So it, I guess I, I also laugh at the, the debate of having the, uh, having a separate toilet room and, and how fast uh, the, the females will throw their husbands under the bus. He needs a toilet room. He's horrible. You know, blah, blah. blah. <laughs> and I just, I start laughing and you feel bad. For the guy. <laughs> You're like, all right, we'll, we'll get Some, you, we'll get you a bathroom for both of you. You know, some things are best unsaid. <laughs> well, I don't say, how about, how about when you walk into a uh, into a, a master bathroom and there's three shower heads and enough room for a small soccer team to fit in there and you're and, and the parents the dad will look at you and go <laughs> and the mom's like this is a waste of space why would we do this we you know, it's oh my god 
Oh, it's, it's, I can't I can't make this stuff up. I I, uh, I I'm I'm literally gonna start writing my book. I, well, anyway. Let, let's expand on this marketing uh, for a family. So let's let's keep going on it. For a family, marketing towards a family. You know, I, I think there's typical homes that might fit better for a family than others. Um, you know, so you're if that I'm always looking for my target buyer. That's number one. When I go into a house, I'm thinking, who who the heck's going to buy this? And then I I work my marketing materials towards that type of buyer, but not trying to exclude everyone else. So it's a, a lead them to your conclusion type marketing. But I, for a family, uh, it's it's nice to be able to have four bedrooms up and all on the same floor. If the kids are a little older, you can get a main floor master, you know, because they're, that that house could last longer for as they become empty nesters and the kids can be by themselves upstairs. Well, right. Um, and I mean, th think about, think about like what you're saying, Chris, kind of adding on to that. Like I look at like the way we sell new houses sometimes where we'll have, you know, uh, on, on paper, it's a loft. I don't call it a loft. I call it the sleepover station or the gaming room or the, you know, future potential fifth bedroom on the upper level, you know, all those things that families might need in the future, you know, the in-law suite, the, this is a potential for guests. This is, but you know, at the end of the day, it's interesting too, to me, uh, how we've got different buyers coming in now saying, hey, we have multi-generations. Like we, we talked about, we're about ready to launch Rooneyville, but having multi-generational housing where grandma and grandpa, I mean, wh why have them spend six or eight grand a month to be in assisted living? If you could have them living in your own house and all they need is somebody to help them put on their socks in the morning. I mean, you don't need to have them sitting in a nursing home, getting lonely, catching every cough that goes through the place, you know? And, and I think a lot of families are starting to recognize that. And, and protect their, their elderly, you know? And the other part is, is 8,000 a month goes towards maybe your house instead, you know? And it, you just got to convince your siblings that, that that's what mom's doing. <laughs> no, I know. But I mean, I, I think there's anyone. I mean, if, if, if my sisters did that, I mean, that's, that's me though. If my sisters were willing to put them in a house, hallelujah. You know, you want what's best for your parents. But anyways, um, it's interesting that you said that about the in-law suite or the gaming room. And by you naming them that, you're you're trying to kind of like, hey, think about it. But they'll think, no, that's a bedroom. Obviously, that's a bedroom. But God, I never thought about that. That's a gaming room. You could have that as a gaming room. And when you have that, it it just it gets their mind going or that in-law suite. That, oh, that's right. That's where mom's going to go. If she comes on the weekend, I just had a client, I was showing them a house and they had three bedrooms and a loft upstairs and having a real problem, real problem. Where's, where are my parents going to stay? Yeah. And it was, everything else was perfect, but that, that kind of got into their mind. And, uh, but in this scenario, there was nowhere else to stay except for maybe creating a Murphy bed or something in this loft area. Sure. So well, think about you and I've talked about this about a billion times back when dining rooms Everybody did the formal living room, formal, you know, uh, you have the family room, living room, dining room, kitchen combo, right? In the two stories. And all of a sudden people are like, oh God, I hate this floor plan. Mm -hmm. Throw a set of French doors on the living room. Now it's an office, main floor den, weird, same house, just add doors, right? Mm -hmm. Repurposed, modernized for the way we use houses today. Now the formal dining room, it's like, do you need a formal dining room? You have some families that are big on family, uh, you know, get togethers, dining. I also have some cultures that want a room for, you know, the adults to hang out and a room for the kids to hang out. So, you know, it's like there's, they actually want a door. So, you know, they can actually be separated. Um, there's, I've seen so many other ways to repurpose, right? Even like garages, you and I, Chris, my God, on, on CCO, we've talked about that for years about how garages now have become the catch-all of put down the epoxy, insulate it, throw a little heater out there. Now you got a party room. And everybody's like, oh my God, that's a great idea. Now you got a party room. You sweep it, blow, get the leaf blower on and blow the darn thing out and you're, you're back to being a garage, you know, and it's, and it gives the people the space to play games, um, not have to worry about, you know, taking their shoes off. What and I don't know. I. Well, the other thing is, too, when marketing to families, there's there's things outside of the home and the lot that you take into consideration and or put in their head that the proximity to schools, the proximity to parks, the proximity to shopping, all of those kind of things are real important when I have to run to Target real quick to be able to get some stuff. If I'm on the other side of the lake and it takes 15 minutes to get to Target, I might overshadow them when I'm five minutes away to Target. And all it is, is it's just reminding them of that, not saying, hey, my listing's way better than this other one. 
because it's five minutes, you know, and yours is 15 minutes. They'll, they'll come up with that. And it's like, you know, it's even like doing like how much improvements you put into a house. When you go in and start telling people exactly how much money you put in and we've all seen it. Hey, they put 150,000 into this house and there's 20,000 for this and 15 for this and 12 for this. Some people might think that, gosh, that was only 20. They must've did it cheap. I thought that would have been 50. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, they can, they can figure it out themselves. And sometimes it's better for them to figure it out because they're thinking no one else has figured that out and they're going to be able to grab it and get a great value. I had, uh, I had one a couple of years back where we were up in East Bethel and they wanted the horses. They wanted everything else. And the husband said, well, I'm not going to live anywhere that, you know, we can't be five minutes from a, you know, a grocery store or, you know, whatever. And so I literally was doing this home search saying, okay, based on this circle right here, Carbonis and Domino's will deliver pizza to your house. If we go up to this street, that's the cutoff. Then you will not get groceries delivered. <laughs> it was kind of funny. I, I, but, you know, think about this. If you, you, you've got a lot of times, you know, uh, two people buying the house together. And when two people are buying together, they have different needs, different interests, and they're compromising. So if you get one to compromise a little, you get the other to compromise a little, all of a sudden you can put together a deal because they're happy. They both feel like it's a win-win versus if all of a sudden, yes, one wins and it's a horse perfect for horses, you know, the riding stable, the everything else. But the, the Tuesday nights or Thursday nights, they want their pizza. They got to drive a half hour to go get a pizza. It, it's not going to be as, you know, it'll, they'll wear out quicker. I think, I think most people can handle it for a while, but just like driving kids to, to school or taking, you know, your extra commute on work, you know, everybody can make it for a little while, but. Okay. Yeah. I have a question though. So let's say you have a playroom like this in the photo and uh, there's a couple that comes that don't, doesn't have any kids or their kids are older. How do you get them to envision something else they can do with this playroom or, or handle it? Well, there's a couple ways. Number one, again, you have to figure out your target buyer. So if this, if this is a playroom in a walkout Rambler uh, with one bedroom on the main floor, you might be looking at an older person, but they might think of that as a a nursery or a playroom for the grandkids. And, or, Hey, it could be, uh, you can do virtual staging as well. A gaming room. Yeah, you could, but uh, an office, a trophy room, all of those kind of things. But I look at this stuff and if it's, if it's tactful and not packed with stuff like this one is all very neat and organized, I don't think anyone's not going to not like that, even right. though they might not use it for that purpose. But now if there was like seven little little things you ride around on and, you know, um, skateboards and all that kind of stuff laying around, that's a different story. But this this to me uh, would totally, totally fit. But if it's not in the right type of house, you just right. have to reframe it a little. Well, that, that to me looks like it's almost like an in-home daycare, which is fantastic because they've got the bins for their for their art projects. They've got two tables set up for kids to color. They've got their own painting section. They've got, uh, when it's movie time, they lay down on that little cot and it's little for kids. So it's perfect for, you know, I don't know, it's just kind of cute. It, that is uh, a very well-staged or very well-set-up room. And then on top of that, you see like even behind there, it's got the little benches for the, the kids to sit. They want to sit upright and not sleep. And then what you do is you convert that room, pull the furniture out where the TV is. Now you put up a 60 or 70 inch TV and, you know, now it's a gaming room. You paint it, whatever color. Yeah, it's totally, I think that's a super classy look there. And I think you could get away with that in really basically any kind of house and play off of it. Okay, one second here. We're gonna how to add more Heige to your home. Now, this is uh, a Danish slash Norwegian word for a mood of coziness and comfortability that creates feelings of wellness and contentment. I experienced this in Denmark. They would throw this word around all the time because their winters are brutal. So, how do you guys do it in Minnesota? Create that. First of all, Chris and I got uh, confused when you said Danish, and we're wondering where they were. Um, second of all, we you know, I've got we, it right, up on that. right here. You just see me sipping on stuff. Danish is when Nick <laughs> takes me off screen. Drinking my holiday seasoned uh, coffee and yeah. having a Danish. And yeah. um, No, I, I think that there's, you know, uh, when it comes down to Chris, you and I uh, know the selling the sizzle, right? So 
if you are selling a house in, in the wintertime, making sure that home is a little bit warmer than normal is, is nice. It adds that coziness to it, adds that element of, of uh, warmth and, and um, security. Um, having lighting correct, I think, is another one. Um, like you see, like the picture there, they're sitting there. They don't have the big fluorescent stadium lights on when they're sitting there at the fireplace. <clears throat> you know, setting up the room like it'd be used, um, having the lighting appropriate, um, I think is a big part of it as well. And then the good old fashioned, like you said, maybe you do have some, uh, you know, apple cider with cinnamon sticks in it. It was boiling on the stove. So it smells like it's ready to sit down and have a hot cinnamon, you know, or a hot apple cider or something. Yeah, just the senses of making it feel uh, warm. But fireplaces, that's what I, I think that's a, a real lost thing in our marketing because you don't really get to feel it when most of the houses are for sale, which is usually in the summer because you don't turn it on. So it's it's really nice in the winter to be able to do it. And we're talking, I mean, we're putting on three new listings here in December. And I think it's going to be perfect timing for it. And a lot of people are saying, what? But first of all, between Thanksgiving and Christmas, you know, why, why would you ever do that? Now, our thought is, is that we're going to hit it quick and hard and then take a break from Christmas through till the first of the year. But it's people are, they sometimes they're busy, but I think now with COVID people aren't doing as many parties. Yeah. And so they have more time that they're sitting around and it's kind of winding down and that they have time to be able to look and get out there and see the new things that are on the market. So. Mm -hmm. uh, in the giving spirits here. So let's give uh, our biggest piece of advice for new agents in the industry because kind of children. So you guys are St. Nick giving uh, presents to them. Nice. I know what get out, get out while you can. <laughs> so I guess as far as advice goes um, for a new agent, I, I can't stress this enough is to gain knowledge and know the agreements and the purchase agreements. And it's just, it's really sad in our industry that it's not, um, people don't understand what they're selling or what they're signing or what they're having other people sign. And I think it's just really important to go over that purchase agreement and then go over it again and then um, do it do it with your, your spouse or your friend or your brother or your sister or your kid and just go over that purchase agreement with them and get comfortable with it. And hopefully they'll answer, ask you questions that kind of push you to kind of dive in a little more deeper. So I think that's the biggest gift I can give people is and it's not necessarily like going to educational classes. It's more about just knowing that purchase agreement inside and out and what those, what those pieces of the purchase agreement mean, because that's what we talk about every day. I, uh, for, for my, um, advice, if, and if it being that you're new, right. So you, I, I'm assuming that these people have not done a transaction they're right out of school, you know, still ready to jump in. Um, one of the best things you can do in today's, uh, market is when you're shopping for a broker, you have to get your license placed with a broker. Not all brokers are created equal. Some brokers, in my opinion, prey on new agents, knowing that you're not going to make it. They know that you've got one or two sales in your pocket because you're going to list grandma's house and your house. And then they know statistically you're going to go away. So they, they you know, really take advantage of that situation. Um, I would I would ask brokers up front, how many of your agents that you hire are new? And then what is your average length of stay at your brokerage for your agents? Because I, I mean, if you have somebody that's flipping agents, you know, like some of these houses that we've talked to, they flip agents and they're, they're about six months to a year and they flip them. And yep, they have 300 agents, but uh, the average agent's life is, is seven months or something. The other thing is there's a lot of brokerages that are out there now too, that are trying to uh, compartmentalize the process. Meaning somebody, you know, like, let's say you sign up on Zillow and you say, I'd like to see ABC one, two, three house, right? The Zillow lead is thrown onto a spin wheel goes out to a brokerage. The brokerage then will assign an agent. Generally, it's a newer agent, not always, but generally. And that agent is trained to go to that house and the whole time they're there, not to sell the house, to sell them on being a service that you'd like to hire. So a lot of people don't understand that. And then what, let's say you do want to buy that house as a consumer and you have an inexperienced agent, the, the brokerage and or the team know that. So what they'll end up doing is they have somebody in-house that writes the offers. So the agent that opens up the doors for you, a lot of times isn't even writing the offers. And what happens is, guys, is this, the, the lure of, hey, you're going to sell 30 to 40 houses your first year in the business, 
you're going to make about $40,000. You don't make any money because they take such a big cut of your commission that, and you, you don't learn anything. So what I would say is my advice is that go to a brokerage where you can learn every step of the process. When you're writing an offer on a purchase agreement, make sure that you understand it. And I would say the best thing to do is explain it to a consumer. So if you're sitting there and you're like going through, I don't know what to finance a denim, just sign it. And we'll send it over. Read it and understand what it means so that you can explain it to someone is the best way to train yourself. Pretend that you're teaching a class. So when you go through that purchase agreement, you can teach the class about what that purchase agreement represents, what it means and how you can be protected or how you're going to be vulnerable on that offer. All of those things go into experience. But if you go onto the right team with the right brokerage, the broker will help you. Like Chris just said, Chris is a great, and I, I, I know this and I'm not kissing your butt, but he's a great broker. He'll make you go through that with him. He'll make you study that process and, and he'll make you ride along with him. So you're, you're actually, you know, doing what he's preaching. And that that's so important, guys. I think that'd be my advice to new agents is that don't sell out immediately to the, the big team or the big, you know, the whatever. And where you're just out there hammering leads all day long because you're not going to learn the business. But a lot of people like that. You know, they're, they're well, sometimes, they know the process. Yeah, sometimes getting thrown in the fire. They do that. But I think it's uh, I don't know. I think it's the thing about this, Chris. Would you really want to meet? somebody at a house, if you were a consumer, that's a hundred percent a salesperson, people run so fast from that. So it's like people want to be with somebody that's going to educate them and allows them to make decisions. That's the best success you'll have as an agent right now. Be full of good information. I've got a couple agents on my team that are research crazy. They research everything. They give you all the facts. They let you make decisions that are best for you. And all of a sudden weird, you're like, why? They, they, they're starting to take off on their business. Because people refer them because they're fantastic. I think the other thing too for an agent is is to, to realize that they are who they are. They're not who I am. So uh, how Chris Rooney does it might not be the best way from you, but maybe you can take something from Chris Rooney and implement it into what you do. For instance, um, if I had to go knock on a door, I would never be in real estate. I wouldn't do it. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. Uh, I tried cold calling. I made three calls. Like that, that was it. But yeah. I, I ended up finding that open houses. And, and as I progressed, it was past clients and referrals, taking care of people, doing it right. And then they come back to you. It's really weird. And, uh, and then knowing what you're knowing what you're talking about. So, but if you're, if it's knocking on doors and you can do it, boy, you can be super successful. I know I could be a lot more successful if I was willing to do that, but I know I won't do it. So you can, so someone could say, Hey, Chris, you got to go knock on doors for us. And that's what you got to do. I would never do it good. Or I'd make excuses that I had to, I had to go to a, a movie in the afternoon because it was only a dollar, which I did, by the way, when I first started the dollar movies, I would sneak away from the construction office because they wanted me to do calls. And I'm like, um, I, I'm going to go out and look at land and I'd go to the movie theater. And I mean, seeing the same movie over and over quite a bit was, but <laughs> But you don't That's do awesome. it, is my point. Yeah, but you know, you got to you gotta be who you are. I, I think that, you know, too, a lot of agents hear what they're supposed to do and they're like, ah, I'm not going to do that. The the best, you know, uh, uh, we, we started a new process where we call it do, doing, done. Uh, uh, simple. It's kind of like a business plan, but it's, it, it's not, um, but it is. And what it is, is you put on there the things that you want to do, things that you're doing. And when you're done, we want to give you some praise for getting those uh, things accomplished. Now, is that, making a family, you know, finding a, a house for somebody in a certain school district. And what are you doing to find that house? So like right now, it's hard for people to find houses, right? So there's a shortage of the houses that they seem to think that they want. So what are you doing as an agent to be resourceful? Are you going out knocking on doors saying, hey, I've got a buyer that's in this neighborhood, needs this school district, looks for four bedrooms. You know, anybody's selling a four bedroom house. Let us know. We're more than willing to pay a fair price for the house. And I'll take care of all the paperwork for you. The, Oh my gosh, I'd actually thank that person for coming to my door. I'd be like, hey, good for you. I'll, uh, I'll keep you in mind if I know anybody's selling. That's different than coming to the door saying, hey, you're looking for a real estate agent? Whoa. You know? You would be oh, good well, at I'm that. not going to cut you guys a deal today because I'm in the mood to wheel into you. See, but I think you could pull that off, Andy. I really do. Like, in doing it like that because it's funny, it's not like a salesperson. So, again, yeah, they, back yeah. to my Comedian, TikTok. Give me the shit goes real far. Yeah. 
Okay, a lot of people still don't want to travel due to the situation. So what are some good ideas for staycations in Minnesota, whether it be cabins or hotels like that video? What do you guys uh, think? That's interesting. I tell you, there is a lot of that happening here in Minnesota. I uh, I was talking to uh, someone that offered or told me that I should go into this treehouse cabin. And that thing is packed. I mean, in the, in the winter. And I was just like, what? I mean, it's, it's a close in place, but uh, yeah, no, I think that, that actually looks kind of neat uh, to be able to do it and take a couple of days and, you know, just go right downtown. I mean, yeah. just shut yourself inside, lock yourself in. See that, that reminds me, it makes me, you know, back when my daughter was doing uh, club volleyball, we were traveling all the time for her going to random cities and it is a fun way to do it because You'll be like, oh, we're going to Des Moines this weekend, blah, blah. And then we go down there, and that is one of the funnest little cities. Cute restaurants and fun, you know, farm to garden or farm to table kind of concepts. And, I mean, oh, my God, what a cute little town. We would have never discovered it. And it's three hours down the road. I highly recommend it, by the way. Des Moines, Iowa. Go down there. There's fun. The bait shop bar was fun. You go in there. They've got 300 tap beers. They've got bacon-wrapped cheddar uh uh tater tots i mean just the fun you know just like she was showing you they were showing you cheese at your table and go to spy house coffee in the morning that's exactly what a lot of these go to zombie burger for lunch i mean now granted if you're going there to just eat that's different but i mean you know the other thing is the activities so you know what else can you do when you're there can you hike can you bike can you you know what 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 is there to see is there museums is there that adds a lot as well but anyway i i see a lot of people doing staycations for lots of reasons um, affordability is usually one of the things because they're not incurring the cost of the airfare. So you think about that and all of a sudden you save 1500 bucks, but you spend the same amount of money on the room and the, the, the board, if you will, and the entertainment, but you just don't spend the flights. You're still keeping on budget a lot of times. So anyway, who'd have thought? Yeah. What about Andy? I know you love Alexandria, some other cities or towns to go visit and do these staycations in, in Minnesota. Well, we're, we're actually going to do one um, Grandview Lodge here in a couple of weeks. We, uh, my family, we book, they've got these big, beautiful homes with, you know, four master baths in them and they're, I mean, or bedrooms with bathrooms and they have kids bunk bedrooms and, you know, games. And, and we, we did that last year. We tried it, you know, kind of just trying to wander out a little bit as a family and everybody got their tests done. And so everybody knew that everybody was healthy when we went there and uh, you know, with the COVID and everything else. And, um, you get there and uh, and have a good time. And we the, actually um, at Grandview, you you could have dinner in a bubble out on outside. So they have these heated little igloos and you go out there and they bring all your food out to you and your drinks and you're sitting outside and there's a fire in the, I mean, fun. Uh, it, ice skating. It, uh, you know, in a way, know. it kind of puts everyone at ease because typically when it's at a house, you're always cleaning or watching if someone's walking on the carpet or someone spilled or yeah. or whatever but in one of those it's kind of like you can just enjoy it the whole time i think that's a great idea as a as a family so well then we we wandered out to go to that uh they have a tubing hill on the back of the island ski gull and as we're about halfway around the backside literally that was the outfit i wore uh, halfway around the backside <laughs> of gull lake a blizzard hit us and i'm not kidding you we couldn't see the front end hood of our car and i'm just driving along looking at the gps going about three miles an hour all of a sudden, I see the sign. I go, wow, we made it. Here, here's Ski Gull. As we're pulling in, everybody's pulling out. And we go, they're like, uh, park's closed, folks. Kind of just like on that uh, family vacation, right? On uh, the uh, whatever. And uh, national, national. And sorry, folks, park's closed. We're like, we just drove and tortured ourselves to get here. It took us 25 minutes. And they go, okay, you can do one run um, just for the, the spirit of Christmas. And so we go up this thing. We're going down as a family, completely can't see, screaming, and there's snow pelting us all in the face. And we get to the bottom, like, that was miserable. But, oh, my God, was it fun, right? Sometimes you got to go to the bottom to experience the top. And uh, that's exactly, my goodness, that was fun. But uh, hopefully this year there's not a blizzard. We can actually go tubing. It's, okay. it's nice that your family can all get together. Mine, mine like, ends up in Brazil and Poland and places like that. Nice. Yeah. Okay, going, Nicholas. going with uh, the St. Nicholas Santa Claus thing with the, with the elves, what uh, is the role of height in housing? From architecture to even From everything. 
Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I've had, uh, I've had a seven footer buy a house before uh, mm -hmm. with me. And uh, that's a very interesting uh, thing because you couldn't really find it. We actually found uh, a new construction home that had eight foot doors on the main yep. floor. And uh, you know, that worked, that worked for them, but you even see it like with soffits, you know, where you have duct work and things and where uh, how, how a house is laid out and, how the soffits get lowered in on that part. I mean, even if you're, you know, six foot three, you know, you can hit that soffit sometimes. And, yeah. and, and that definitely makes a difference for people. Lower basements, uh, yeah. you know, 12 course basements versus 13 course, huge difference. Yeah. It's, it's actually fairly easy to do. You add probably 30,000, you know, to increase every floor up another foot or two, um, you know, because sheetrock now think about this, everything's designed to be nine foot or eight foot. You go to 10, and all of a sudden you got that extra gap. So the drywall guys hit you, the insulation guys hit you. So there's a lot of those um, things, but I've built for three uh, ex-athletes that play basketball. I'm building one right now. And same thing, um, designing the house to be comfortable for somebody like tubs. Um, Want to take a tub, you're that big. You literally have to get like a four person tub to make it work. But we designed the house around that. So we could have the tub, we did a steam room. So, it's, you know, it's kind of, it was cool. So you design the house to accommodate your, your customer. Um, custom building will be a lot of fun for somebody like that. Just budget, you know, an extra 30, 40,000 than what you would normally put into a house to accommodate that because everything is going to be unique, custom ordered and expect a little more time because everything, again, will be custom built for your specifications. That's even like vanity height. You yes. know, depending on what, what size they are. I mean, the big thing was, is the vanity height was never that uh, tall. I mean, that's probably in the last 10, 15 years. Yep. that everyone started making their vanities bigger, but you see in the older houses how low they are and that's yep. what it's from. So I was down in Brooklyn park a couple of years back and we had a family um, where everybody averaged about five feet tall and it was just, you know, just the way it was. And so they were like, and you know, we do a lot of vegetables. We do a lot of whatever. And they go, is there any way we can lower our Island down six inches? And I'm like, I don't see why we couldn't, you know? So we did the math on it, figured it out dropped it down and by God, they love their house. have lived there for 12 years now. And it, that's cool. See, like to me, that's what custom construction is really for designing the house for you and your needs. Or like, you know, like we just looked at those kids playrooms, things will evolve. Usually your height doesn't, but your, your, your kids will go from being little toddlers that want to watch, you know, the Barney and, and, and color to wanting to play call of duty with headsets on and high speed Wi-Fi and, you know, or basketball court, they want to have, be able to shoot the ball. Um, you know, so it, it, as your house, as you design it and you design it saying, okay, this is phase one. What are we gonna do for phase two or phase three? Right. Is this house able to update? Can we update this house? Or is it going to be dated? Oh, that's one of those early 2000 houses. Right. You know, like, uh, anyway, so I, I look at it, like, make sure you're thinking ahead, um, planning for you, but also, you know, can we do another phase? Can we update this, improve it in the future to keep it relevant for the, the current uh, needs of the consumer? Yeah. I've been talking a lot. I should really check what I put in my coffee. I get wound up, man. You always talk a lot. That's okay. That's okay. You don't, you don't, you don't babble though. So that's good. Yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a a different uh, that's a conversation you don't want to really hear and and say because I think from a I mean obviously if you're buying a home for yourself to live in it the interest rate and down payment and terms are typically more advantageous than buying a rental property but um, people certainly have and and certainly will continue buying one in the with the idea that they're going to move into it and then maybe rent it out right away. I would caution agents to be able to uh, recommending that to people. But um, if someone was to do something like that, their intention has to be to be able to move in. And sometimes when you look at intention, you know, you might want to look at uh, all of a sudden, if, you, if you're buying it in 30 days before you close on it, you're putting out ads for rentals. I mean, that might be a problem. That's kind, of a, that's kind of a bad thing. But if you actually went into it and you moved into it and then decided maybe it wasn't big enough or 
uh, the closet wasn't good enough or it didn't smell right and that you wanted to move out and stay in your other house and then just rent this one, you know, that's something that, I mean, that, that could happen. Hey, you know, you, you're an adult, you're deciding for yourself. I mean, the, the way I look at it is the government and the CFPB have divided us between the lenders and the agents to the point of where I can't even be a cop if I wanted to be a cop and say, hey, wink, wink, by the way, they're breaking the rules because we don't have access to those people. So no offense, but that's their problem. So if you've got somebody that wants to buy a house, they do primary residence and they don't follow the rules. I don't know if there's anybody really policing that. It's when you miss a payment or you are, you know, getting a second mortgage or, you know, like buying another property that they're going to identify that you already have a primary residence. And that's when the gig will be up. But there's a lot of people and I don't ever advise breaking the rules ever. But on the other hand, I don't really feel sorry for mortgage companies. I mean, or, or the feds with that, because they're, they're, they're separating us. I mean, there's no way for us to police, even if we, if we should. Right. Who do you, who do you call to there's, turn them in? The there's a lot of people. There's yeah, a lot of people. A salesperson, they want the deal to get done. They don't care. I there's mean, they a lot care, of, but they don't. There's a lot of young people that have used that strategy to be able to um, uh, get into, um, you know, a lot more investment properties and, and creating equity as well. And it's not a horrible thing. I mean, you have the right to be able to change your mind. If you buy a house and you, you can certainly rent it out. I mean, the problem is, is when you stop making payments, that's where the problem comes in. So you, you can't do that, but then, um, then, then you just have to be above board. Just, yeah. you know. Wow. 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 <laughs> you paid 450 bucks for the person to be there. They're going to make sure that you think they know what they're talking about. Credibility builder, right? Yeah, I think uh, home inspectors are, I mean, for me, that's kind of their job. It's not my job. I mean, I'll add in stuff, but I usually try to stay away from the inspections just so they can get a, a, a third party uh, advice without, you know, as an inspector. I mean, if we're recommending inspectors and they're ripping houses apart and tear apart all of our deals, I mean, as a realtor, you know, you're probably not going to use that inspector a lot or recommend them. So it, it kind of puts an inspector on kind of the, just not as open as he could be directly to you. So I just kind of stay away on those and then, you know, I'll get the report and then we'll end up talking about it. But I just don't, I just kind of feel that it's, it's better that they go with the inspector. They're hiring them. They're paying for it. It's their inspection. Yep. If they want to share it with me. They certainly can. If they don't, they don't have to. So, so we just had one of our agents on our team. Um, I had an addendum that came across my desk where it said straight up that the buyer and seller agree that the buyer is performing a home inspection. The buyer will keep the terms and results of the home inspection completely confidential to themselves unless requested by the seller to provide a copy of such inspection, which will be provided for free at no expense. And I'm like, that's so weird. So basically, if you do an inspection and we don't like the results, that's your problem. Keep it quiet. Right. And and move on with life because. The inspectors, the problem is, is inspectors are blowing deals up and there's nobody that regulates the inspector that says, hey, they're a licensed, you know, bonded, insured to the point of where if they make the wrong choice. And let's say like I had this, I'll, I'll give you an example. On the TPC Golf Course, they listed a house for a great family a couple of years back and we had a home inspector come out and say there's moisture under the windows. It's a stucco home and basically said there's, you know, all the windows on the back of the house, the whole stucco has to come off. We had a stucco expert come out to the house. A stucco expert removed sections of stucco and said, yeah, I think there's moisture in there too. Once they got it removed, they took the whole back of the wall of the, of the house off on the golf course side of the house. And we got in there. There was nothing wrong. This was a $50,000 mistake. And the best they could do is get their money back from both the inspectors. Mm -hmm. That is complete crap. And so there, my, my, I we filed an insurance claim on the house and they fought the insurance company on it too. And it's like, so so here's where I struggle with. If you're out there telling somebody to make a buying or selling decision and you're an expert, then put your, your mouth, you know, or your wallet where your mouth is. Because in my opinion, you know, even like when we do new construction, I see all the time where these buyers come in and they hire an inspector and they do an inspection. They're like, well, this is that and that's that. They're not right. That, that's not current code. And, and these inspectors are enforcing codes from three, four years ago. And these new codes are not the same. We've already got that house inspected, exceeding expectations, passing the current you know uh, inspections with the cities. 
and and the and the state with the electric and everything else. And these inspectors come in there and tell us that we're not right. And it's like you got to kidding me. So yeah, anyway, but they're they're going on current codes on 1950 houses. I mean, that's if you're if you're buying if, if it's a 1950 house. I mean, the price would obviously be, be different if it was 2021. You know, so you're buying a 1950 house because it's 300,000, not 600,000. Right. So. <laughs> these these things are just I don't know they're they're interesting to me because uh, I, and I know people I think they're kind of silly but as I see them more and I'm seeing them more I'm like all right I I get it I I get what they're doing because like on that one I would I probably watch that a couple two or three more times because it's kind of quick and fast I mean the gist of it was um, he saw something on Zillow, which is a great deal, but then all of a sudden he goes to the house and there's multiple offers and now he's going to spend 30000 higher than that. Uh, and that, that is the ups and downs of real estate. And you see it and people get super excited. And then when they lose, it's just boom. You know, they're just down. Down for the count. You have to re kind of build them back up. Well, get used to it. If you like, you know, those kind of apps and those kind of things where everything's a commodity, that's what's going to start happening. I mean, how, if everybody has access to everything, every time, every second, and it comes down to who's got the most money, guess who wins? Those with the most money. And, yeah. and that's an environment you're putting yourself in. I, I would much rather, you know, uh, I, I'll keep my mouth shut, but um, yes, use it as a tool and remember that it's not the catch-all for everything um, when, you're, when you're online. I generally will put people into the MLS system and have them on a search. I call it, when you're, when you're on Zillow, you're, you're shopping. When you're a buyer, we get you on the MLS because- then it's to the second accurate. And then it's only the professionalism of the real estate agent that has house listed that varies that varies that sale at that point. So the listing agent has everything current up to date. They're they're taking offers, they're processing them as they come in, or are they piling them up? Is there a highest and best? So your agent can guide you into getting that deal done. I look old when you zoom in. So thank you for doing that. Appreciate that. Thank God he's not doing it to me. But uh, hey, if you're that's my first TikTok video, do that one again, do that one again. It's the sad, sad, sad um, way it is. I mean, and and I hate to say it, but it's it's not all the builder's fault either uh, on these things because they just can't get the stuff. We were just waiting for a closing the other day and uh, they're waiting for the water meter to get um, put in and garage doors. Who, I mean, who would have thought garage doors would take six months in which to be able to get? It's crazy. It's crazy. Windows, they take forever. Well, if you can't, if you can't close the house off, you can't really finish the inside of it. So uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's just a longer process than uh, what it used to be. That's for sure. Well, you know, that's interesting because, you know, like right now we're trying to avoid um, like HVAC has been our nightmare for us with getting, you know, flex pipe and getting whatever. So our builder actually, you know, started doing some decision making like, hey, let's go to all hard pipe. Well, that adds 600 bucks a house and we can't get the 92 percent efficient. Let's go to the 96. And all of a sudden we're adding another four grand. Also, the houses are going up five, six grand now. It's to the good of the consumer, right? I mean, they're getting a better product, but not everybody needs a, a double turbo on their engine. You know what I mean? It's like some people can live with just a regular engine, they don't, and one turbo, let alone two. So it, it's a uh, it's an interesting market. I think when you sit down with a builder, um, ask them, do they have the capacity to build your house within the timeline they they have, um, and ask them what triggers will will um, throw this off. Is, is it your framers? If you lose a framer, am I out? And then we're going to be sitting for four months trying to find a new framer. Um, and Or can you guide me to the materials that you know are in stock so that we know that we can build this house on a 10-month on a, uh, you know, timeline instead of a 14-month, like some of these guys are telling us now. They're telling us 14 months, some of these builders. That's, that's crazy. I mean, that that's straight up. You don't have a clue. Yeah. No but offense. The problem is, is even if you kind of go through absolutely everything, I mean, something else pops up at the end and you can't, and you can't get it going. It just, it's really sad and it's unpredictable, but you just have to be prepared for it. 
So, yeah. Yes. Staging is critical for every property. Absolutely every property. I mean, if you want to get the most amount of money, you know, some people might think, hey, it's just the lake and, and that's what's going to sell it. But they got to live. They got to live in something that looks at that lake. And if you want to get the most money you can, you want to have it properly staged. That doesn't mean bringing uh, new uh, furniture in and stuff like that. It's just accenting and, and making it feel uh, lived in. Sometimes it, it can be vacant, but you might want to have some flowers on the countertop or you know, put a vase on your, your vanity and add some towels to the bathroom just to make it feel a little more warm. Or just like an existing house, you know, you, you have that formal dining room and you keep getting people resisting it and then you stage it as an office and put up a, a nice, you know, partition or a nice, you know, uh, whatever, that, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. Right. <clears throat> I think we got uh, Mike Ludwig <laughs> the Heige segment. He wants to get some donuts now. Yeah, sure. Sure, blame us. Like you weren't on your way anyway. <laughs> hey, if you're thinking of selling next spring, let us know. We might have a buyer uh, right now. The market is interesting. There's buyers out there, and some people can take advantage of that if they're waiting. And the thing is, um, I've got an offer coming in on one that uh, we're doing, and these people don't want to be out until June. And uh, you get, we set that expectation right from the beginning and they're, and these people are fine with it. So uh, you might be able to kind of predict what you want to predict anyways. And so if you're in the middle of building and you're thinking, Hey, I'm going to definitely be done by that time. You can set it for the end of June uh, with the possibility of moving it up. So the best one is run tubing experience for staycation, Andy. Uh, yes, the I the I'm not sure what that means, but um, the best one run tubing experience. Yeah, that that's from Lisa. <laughs> that's my wife. I'm not sure what she means by that, but we love tubing. Okay, I guess maybe she's asking you which the best run there is. Oh my God, is that that is perfect? Clark, totally, Andy would <laughs> he would be perfect. You, Clark. Greg, you wait until I get my cabin built on this new lot, and you're going to watch your power go, as soon as my lights click on. Clark. I actually, you know what? I came up with this great idea about 10 years ago, where you know all those lasers that we shoot onto the houses, and they do the weird patterns? I took those, and I, I, I was like, oh, let's try these. So I bought, like, uh, three of them. And... I didn't like the way it looked on the house because it looked like you literally are aiming something at your house and it's lighting it up. So I took those and I put them on my front tree and I have the green and red um, lasers hitting the branches individually. It looks like I have a sparkling tree in my front yard and I all I had to do is go plug, stick, go. And I'm telling you what, those lasers look so cool shining into the trees. I don't know. I Well, at least I think they do. You got to share a picture next time. Andy, your favorite holiday movie is Elf? Probably Elf or, um, which I just, I, I giggle so hard at Elf. I also like the uh, Clark, or the family vacation, Christmas vacation, because we recite, my family kind of recites all the lines as they're happening. What what you mind? My, the, one I can't, anyway. the one I can't stop laughing on is something about Mary. Oh, That one to me, it's just like beyond. I just... Yeah. Oh, that's a good one. Amazing. Well, to to get in the spirit of Saint Nichols, Nichols, um, geez. Nicholas? Nicholas, Nicholas, geez, my brain. Um, I need to be on the beach. Give Less us a present. Dino. Huh? Less Dino. Dino. <laughs> Give us a present by uh, giving us some likes, uh, reviews on iTunes, sharing this podcast with a friend. Um, we're on Spotify, iTunes, every podcast platform. We do the live video version on Facebook every Thursdays at 8 a.m. And we also post three clips a week on Facebook, short, digestible content that you will really like. Wonderful episode. You guys have a great rest of your day. See you, buddy. All right. See you, bud. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us this week on the Real Estate Radio Hour. Don't forget to visit our website, realestateradiohour.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or your preferred podcast listening app. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes or sharing us with a friend. Until next time, stay awesome, Twin Cities.